Hello and welcome to our Facebook streaming site, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. I'm so happy to come to you again today, Wednesday, June 26. This program will be on this Facebook site, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, time zones in between, time zones around the world. And yes, last week on Wednesday, we talked about Good, talk about spirits who expected, who knew what to expect when they passed over. They were, they were spiritists. And they talked to spiritist mediums, meaning about how they felt right after death. And tonight we're going to talk about spirits who are suffering because they did not believe anything. They were either criminals or, or uh, a myriad of, of, of things that could happen. So, and this is one of Alan Kardec's. Um, Probably one the least read one of his books, uh, Heaven and Hell. His most one is, of course, the most important book for people to read is the Spirits book, which you can take, uh, go to my site, nwspiritism.com, click on his picture, you'll find all his books on the EDICEI uh, bookstore. Of course, you can find all his books, as I said before, on PDF and, of course, on Amazon.com. But they are actually less expensive if you want the book form, on the EDICEI bookstore. So again, go to my site, nwspiritism.com, click his picture, it'll take you right to the bookstore. The other thing is this information from spirits who have passed over. I also have other stories. If you're interested in these type of, uh, of, of you know, from the death, I've also written a book, The Spirit World Talks to Us, 12 Accounts from Near Death and Other Experiences. And I've had experiences where people are raised in heaven and all the experiences where people saw the not so good part, right? The lower zone, purgatory. So those are things that, very interesting. These are people who actually died, but then came back and told us about their experience. And what I do is I take their experience and I explain them fully what happened on the other side of the curtain according to spiritism spirit and when some of these people i've talked to they go oh my god now i understand right because spiritism explains the organization and the process of the spirit room why you're here and most of these people well, i think all of them have had near-death experiences had it as a pre-planned event or a event that was going to be used in case that the person wasn't accelerating their spirituality, right? Their spiritual quotient as fast as they should. Therefore, they were given an NDE. They said, okay, let's talk about this. And then most of them came back with much more uh, thrust, right? Much more com commitment to spiritually ascend, to understand, to love, and to be honorable. So now let's start talking about the book, Heaven and Hell. And what, what did the spirits see that uh, Alan Kardec was talking about according to suffering spirits. So in his book, chapter four, he has a space there called suffering spirits. And this is the general description that was dictated to him by a spirit. The spirit just made in 1860. And this is what was said about these suffering spirits. This is the generality given by higher spirits. Wicked, selfish, obstinate spirits are given over immediately after death to harrowing doubts in their regard to their present and future destiny. They look around them, and as they do not at once perceive any object on which to wreak their evil tendencies, they are seized with despair for isolation and inaction 
are intolerable to evil spirits. They do not elevate their sight to the areas inhabited by pure spirits. They begin to examine more carefully the surrounding amidst which they find themselves. They soon perceive the prostration of the weaker spirits who are undergoing punishment, and they attach themselves to those as to a prey, arming themselves against them with the memory of their past deeds, of which they remind them incessantly by mocking gestures. This derisory pantomime, not sufficing for their malice, they swoop down upon the earth like famished vultures. They seek out among mankind the souls they think most likely to offer an easy road to their temptations. They take possessions of such, simulating their cupidity, striving to extinguish their faith in God, until having obtained the mastery of their conscience, they draw them into every sort of evil. So, as I've said before, right, we, we, we live in a sea of spirits. We walk in a sea of spirits. The high spirits are among us. They come, they help, they talk to us. They either, then a lot of times they speak to us remotely, right? They have the ability to do that. The, leers, the lower spirits, called the umbral in Portuguese, are right on our level. There's also levels below the earth, which are even worse than the umbral. And they love to give us inspiration of a negative kind, an ignorant inspiration. They want us to do what they would do, right? They, they have fun, just like in the playground where you've got some more ignorant kids. They always like to tell another kid, let's tell them to do something stupid, right? And, of course, they do it and someone gets hurt or in trouble. So this is, you know, we are still in that level, at that playground level. This is why it's so important to have and to listen to your conscience, right? Because just like in their cartoons, they've got the good spirit on one side and the not so good spirit on the other side. He's telling you, you know, great and not so great ideas. You have to learn to filter it all through your conscience. There's nothing, nothing more important than that. So they go on to say is the backward spirit who is thus able to exercise his or her malice is almost happy. They only suffer when they are unable to act or when their efforts are frustrated by the action of superior spirits. And sometimes they say these people can be in the lower zone for centuries. And it's not nice. So let's talk about one of these spirits. This is a spirit, and was, this was information was given to them uh, at La Harve in France in March 1863. This is Auguste uh, Michel, Auguste Michel. This is what they say about him. He was a young, wealthy, dissipated, and absorbed in sensual pleasures. Although intelligent, he was utterly careless of serious things. Kind-hearted, rather good than bad, he was a favorite with companions of his pleasure and much sought after in fashionable circles for his gentlemanly manners and agreeable talents. But though he committed no crimes, he did no good. He died from the effects of an accident, being thrown from a carriage by taking a drive, evoked a few days after his death by a medium that knew him through other parties. He gave successfully the following messages. So here's a person who really wasn't a bad person, right? He just kind of went through life and tried to have as much fun as possible. He probably had more money than good sense, right? He just, since he was wealthy, and he enjoyed his pleasure. Well, I mean, 
probably describes a lot of us, certainly described me when I, in my earlier age. So this is what he said on March 8th, 1863. I am scarcely disengaged from my body. It is therefore difficult for me to speak to you. The terrible fall that killed my body has thrown my spirit into great confusion. I am anxious to what is going to become of me. So later he says, oh, what misery, oh, God have pity on me. Then on March 18th, it was 10 days later, he says, I came to you the other day, but I could only speak with difficulty. Even now I find it hard work to do. Why do I still suffer when my body suffers no longer? Why does this horrible pain, this terrible anguish still beset me? Pray, oh, pray for me that God may grant me rest. So then he says, I'm still attached to my body. I cannot make out where I am. My body is there. Why am I still there? Come and pray over it that I may be released from its cruel grip. Then later, on April 6th, right, it is I who come again to entreat you to pray for me. You should have come to the place where my body's lying, to beseech the Almighty to calm my suffering. So he's he is still attached. That's what's going on. And then finally, he the medium, he went to the gravesite and prayed over there. So then on May 11th, he got this message. I was waiting for you. I've been longing for the moment when you should come to the place where my spirit seems to be riveted to its envelope to implore of the God of mercy to calm my sufferings. You can, you can do me good by your prayers. Do not, I beseech you, relax your prayers on my behalf. I see how opposite was my life to what it ought to have been. I see the faults I committed. I was of no use while I was in the world. I turned my faculties to no account. My fortune only served to satisfy my passions, my taste for luxury, my vanity. I'm only, I thought only of sensual enjoyments. Then on June 8th, he says, I'm able to speak to you, and I thank God for permitting me to do so. I see my faults, and I hope that God will forgive me. Follow all your life to believe with which you're animated, for you'll thus win a rest that I have not yet obtained. So here's a spirit. wasn't particularly bad, but uh, not really, you know, wonderful. So here's another spirit. Elizabeth in Bordeaux, February 13th, 1862. And this is a suffering spirit who came to a medium spontaneously under the name of Elizabeth. They asked, will you tell us something about your position, the cause of your suffering? She said, be humble, resigned to the will of God, patient under trial, trial charitable to the poor, encouraging for the weak, warm-hearted, for all who suffer. And you will not have to go undergo the tortures I am enduring. So she again will, was not, not in a great uh, position. She goes, I was born in a high position. I had everything that men regarded as conductive to ha happiness. Rich I was, selfish, handsome. I was coquettish, cold-hearted, and deceitful of noble rank. I was ambitious. With my power, I crushed those who did not prostrate themselves sufficiently low before me. I crushed even those who threw themselves under my feet without reflecting that the Lord also crushes, sooner or later, the haughtiest brows. At what period did you live? 150 years ago in Prussia. Have you in, uh, made no progress as a spirit? She goes, no. The influence of matter has kept me in a state of constant revolt. 
you cannot comprehend the influence exerted by matter upon the spirit, notwithstanding the separation of the latter from the body. Pride winds around the soul, its chains of brass, whose links grow tighter and tighter about the wretch who has abandoned his or her art to its action. Pride, the hydra whose hundred heads, perpetually renewed, have the art of modulating their poison hisses so cunningly that its victims mistake them for celestial music. Pride. So she goes on and says, this is horrible. So, but... She's been in the lower zone for 150 years because she could not give up, but she'd not be humble. She just had pride and selfishness. But you can tell the spirit world is trying to help her. They took her to that medium so they could talk to that. And now she says, now she's trying to correct those faults. And he says, please, play, pr please pray for me. So this was very important. So now another prince. These are this very interesting. This is Prince Oran, who was actually a formerly a Russian prince. Again, he said the same thing, pride and um, you know, how, he sh how he should not have uh, indulged in such pride at the time. So now let's go to even more um, spirits who are not in a good position. And again, I'd like to remind you that, that you can learn more on my site, nwspiritism.com, and you can also um, read my books. I have all my books on the right-hand side, and, and uh, it's, this should help you. The, one of the most important books I have is are my series of three books, Heaven and Below, Spirit and Spirit Universe, and How We Are Guided by Spirits. Okay, now let's get to suicides. This is the suicide of the Saint Martin. So on April 7th, 1858, at about 7 o'clock in the evening, a man of some 50 years of age, respectively dressed, entered the great bathing establishment of the Saint Martin and ordered a bath. The waiter on duty, after an interval of a couple hours, finding that the individual in question did not ring for him, determined to enter his bathroom to see if he was ill. He found him with his, he had cut himself his throat with a razor. So what they did is the mediums meeting, they evoked him. And they said, where are you now? Because I don't know, tell me where I am. You're in an assembly of persons who take part in investigations about spirits who feel kindly towards you. And his answer was, tell me if I'm alive. I'm stifled in this coffin. So now, and he says, well, they asked, what motivated you to commit suicide? Am I dead? Not at all. I inhabit my body. You cannot imagine how much I suffer. I am stifling. Oh, that some compassionate hand would finish killing me. So this is a person that still did not think that they were dead. This is, this is, um, this again, as I said before, suicides, you're, you are, you have a mission on earth to come and, and, uh, improve yourself and your body is set for a specific number of years so if they in your reincarnation plan if you were supposed to live to 80 and you commit suicide at 50 you will stay in the lower zone until you're 80 and for 30 more years that's what happened to andre Luis in his book it's a beautiful book uh no solar and it's it, i recommend anybody see it also this is the movie astral city 
you are destined to stay in the lower zone for that many years of when you were supposed to die. So, um, this is really such a, so sad. So I don't want to get too much of these because then I may, may go through and come up. So please don't let anyone, anyone uh, ever commit suicide. You're not escaping from anything. You're an immortal soul. You can't escape. Now, here's the suicide of an atheist. This is a Mr. JBD. They didn't give his whole name. He was a man of considerable learning, but he had uh, much, you know, materialistic ideas and believing he didn't believe in God nor the soul. And he was evoked a couple of years after his death at the request of one of his relatives. And he evoked him and said, I suffer. I am damned. He goes, we've been asked to call you by relatives of, your, of yours who wish to know your state. Please tell us whether our evocation is agreeable to you or painful. He said, it's painful. He goes, now, he says, I am forced to believe that God exists. And what motive led you to destroy yourself? The utter weariness of life without hope. So this has happens a lot with people who are completely absorbed into the material world. People need spirituality. And everyone notices this at some time in your life. You can be concerned and happy with with your your um, your material goods, right? Your new toys, your new car, your new house. But it's always you come up to this emptiness. And the only way to really feel this emptiness is to understand why you're on this world and to start helping people. People love the mo love to serve and help other people. People are most happy, and there's been studies about this, are most happy when they can serve other people. This is why it's so important to get out there and pray for people, volunteer, help who you can. Just be a, you know, a, a nice uh, sounding board for someone. You don't have to spend your money. Spending your time is actually much better than spending your money. Okay. Now, let's go to uh, real criminals. What happens to them? So on the 3rd of January, 1857, Monsieur Cibor, the Archbishop of Paris, was coming out of the church of St. Stephen. And he was stabbed by a young priest named Verger. He was sentenced to death and executed on the 30th of January. And up to the moment of his death, Verger showed neither regret nor repentance. So then he evoked him on the day of his execution. And he gave the following re replies. He goes, I am still retained in my body. Is not your soul entirely free from your body? No, I'm afraid. I don't know. Wait, until I can see myself, I'm not dead, am I? He goes, do you repent of what you've done? I did wrong to kill, but I was driven to it by my temper, which cannot put up with humiliation. You evoke me another time. So here he couldn't really say much. Do you see, and then he asked, do you see your victim? I seem to hear a voice like his that says, I'm not angry with you. But that is a freak of my imagination. I tell you, I am mad, for I see my own body on one side and my head on the other, and yet I seem to be alive, but in space, between the earth and what you call the sky. I feel the chill of the knife falling on my neck, but that is the fear I have of dying. 
It seems to me that I see a number of spirits about me, looking at me with compassion. They talk to me, but I don't understand them. So he really wasn't sure what's going on. And he was actually, his soul had gone out of his body, and he, but his perispirit was probably still connected to it, and he could still see his body separated. So, so sad. So then they, they invoked the archbishop who was murdered by this guy. And he asked him, does the man who will commit murder know on choosing an existence that he will become an assassin? And the archbishop said, no, he knows that. By choosing a life of struggle, he incurs the chance of killing that fellow creature, but he does not know whether he'll do so or not. For there's always almost, there's almost always hesitation in a murderer's mind before committing the crime. So the situation of Verger immediately after the execution is that of almost all those who die a violent death. The separation of the body and soul being a process that cannot be accomplished suddenly. They are stunned, so to say, and do not know whether they are dead or alive. The assassin was spared the sight of the archbishop because it was not needed to excite his remorse. In contrary cases, murders are all incessantly haunted by the sight of their victims. So, so sad. So here is another um, criminal. Name is Benoist, I believe. He goes, "What were you in your lifetime?" And he, oh, he said he died in 1704, which is about 150 plus years before this uh, book was written. He goes, "What were you in your lifetime?" He goes, "I was a monk without belief." Was your want of belief your only thought? He answered, it sufficed to lead me into other faults. Because can you give any details concerning your life? This is what he says, very interesting. Being without fortune and lazy, I went into orders, not from vocation, but to give me position. Being intelligent, I made a place for myself. Influential, I misused power. Vicious, I drew into a disorderly life. Those whom I ought to have led to virtue. Hard-hearted, I persecuted those who ventured to blame my excesses. The dungeons of my monastery were filled with those whom I left to die in them of starvation. If hunger made them groan too loudly, I had them silenced by a violent death. Since then, I have been expiating my crimes, and I suffer all the torments of hell. My victims stir up the fire that devours without consuming me. I am constantly pursued by unsatisfied lust and hunger. My burning lips are tortured by thirst that is never relieved by any cooling drop. All the elements are let loose upon me. Pray for me. So here is a priest. He said he was a monk. He must have been much in power of these poor other monks or other people that came to see him. Kind of reminds me somewhat of, you know, some somewhat hopefully not as bad as our modern, modern corporations when you really have some terrible uh, management people, CEOs, whatever, uh, who are actually... Are cruel. I've I've seen those before. Unfortunately, not as cruel as them. Not not killing people. They said, "Have you not shared your relief from the prayers that are offered up for all the dead?" <clears throat> he goes, "Do you fancy they have much power? They have on me exactly the power of those I formerly <coughs> seemed to offer up for others. I failed to accomplish my task. Pay is therefore refused to me. Have you ever repented? Oh, long ago, but only after I had suffered long and horribly." I was deaf to the cries of my innocent victims. Now the master is deaf to my cries, justice. 
He goes, you admit that God is just. You put your trust in his goodness and call on him for help. He goes, the howling of demons is louder than my voice. My cries are stifled in my throat, for they fill my mouth with boiling pitch. I did it. Great. And then he is unable to write the word God. And I've read this in other stories uh, by the Reverend G. Vow and sent to him by spirits. A spirit like that, they, they can't even say the word Jesus. In fact, one spirit couldn't even make the sign of the cross because then he just hesitated. It just made him so bad. And what they say, what spirits say is that when spirits are in the lower zone and when they get to the part where they really want to be good, their complete regret and just their horrible feeling of what they've done makes them so sad of what they you know that they can't even say the name of god or jesus without crying and almost you know fainting and he goes well what made you commit so much uh, you know atrocities he goes the vices with which i was imbued the brutality of my passions have you ever implored the good the assistance of good spirits to help you out of your misery he says i only see the demons of hell were you afraid of them during your life? No, I feared nothing. Annihilation was my creed. Pleasure at any cost was my worship. Divinities of hell, they have forsaken me. I consecrated my life to them. They will never give me up. And he says, do you foresee the end of your suffering? No, there is, there is no end to the infinite. Again, this is what is said about um, spirits on the lower zone. One of, their, one of the things they have to go through is, they, is the spirits above them tell him tell them is that they don't let him know when it's going to happen right and this is actually this is actually what another spirit talked about him because courage which you ask for this spirit will be granted but his expiation is far from being ended the atrocities committed by him are unnameable and innumerable and his guilt is all the greater because he possessed intelligence education and knowledge he sinned with the full knowledge of the evil of his course, and his sufferings are consequently terrible. But with the help and example of prayer, they will be mitigated, because he will know that they may have an end, and he will thus be sustained by hope. God sees that he is on the road to repentance, and he has therefore been allowed and enabled to communicate with you in order that he may be encouraged and sustained. Think of him often. We leave him in your care, that you may strengthen him in good resolutions. So... Again, this is saying that there is no, there really is no infinite, infinite hell or purgatory because we have reincarnation and karma is the process where people improve. This monk who did innumerable, innumerable, they said, and unnameable things to other people, at some point, this person will allow to get out of his, the lower zone. He but most probably will be reincarnated. He'll have a probably very hard life, but he'll learn many things and he'll go back and he may still be in the lower zone, but he may, if he's very lucky and works hard, he may be able to get to one of the top, you know, the bottom levels of heaven. So all this, you know, all this is, uh, is how the spirit world works, right? If you, if you know people who are just completely hell-bent, I should say, you know, on getting whatever they want and destroying whoever they they thought, uh, this is what will happen to them. This is this is happens to people who all they want is money and power and will do anything they can for it. 
This could be a government official, a politician, captain of industry, a drug dealer, a thief, a bank robber, a paid for assassin, assassin, any of those people, they will not be allowed to get what they think they're getting. So sad. This is all just momentary pleasures. So let's, another one was uh, Jax Latour. He was a notorious assassin condemned by the Supreme Court of Foy and executed in September 1864. And at a private meeting of a few spiritists, he all of a sudden took over one of uh, the mediums, a woman, and, and in her hand, he wrote the words, I repent, I repent, Latour. And so surprised at this unexpected communication, for they weren't prepared for that. No one was thinking of the unhappy criminal. They had a few words of communication, and they asked, what motive induced you to come here rather than go elsewhere, since we did not call you? Because I saw that you were compassionate and that you would take pity on me whereas others have evoked me more from curiosity than from charity or shrink from me in horror. Because then, they said, a scene that was entirely indescribable that lasted for half an hour, the medium's words, gestures, and expression of face all show that the spirit had identified himself with her personality. And I've seen this. I've seen this in medium's meetings where a spirit will just like, you know, will just kind of impose themselves in the, under, under the permission of the medium. And the medium will talk in, you know, a different, you know, a different tone of voice and, and different words and different expressions than you would normally see that person speak. And so and this is what, uh, this is what he exclaimed. He goes, oh yes, pity. You know not how much I need it, for you know not how much I suffer. No, you could, you know not. You could not understand it. It is horrible, the guillotine. What is it in comparison with what I have now to endure? It is nothing. It was but a moment. But the fire that now devours me is far worse. It is a continual death. It is a suffering that gives neither quarter nor rest. This has no end. And my victims, who are all there, all around me, who show me their wounds, who pursue me with their eyes, they are there before me. I see them all. Yes, all. I see them all, and I cannot avoid them. And this pool of blood, all this gold covered with blood, all is there, always before me. Do you smell the stench of blood? Blood, everywhere blood. They are there, my poor victims. They implore me to take pity on them. And I, I, unpitying, I strike and strike again. The sight of their blood intoxicates me. I thought that after death, all would be ended. That's why I braved death. I braved God. I denied there was a God. And now when I believe that everything would be over, I have a terrible awakening. And yes, terrible indeed, I am surrounded with corpses, with threatening faces. I wade through blood. I thought I should be dead and I'm alive. It is hideous. It is horrible. More horrible than all the tortures on earth. So what is torturing him himself, right? He is coming there. I was at a medium's meeting. And this medium got uh, controlled by this other woman. And all of a sudden this medium said, Zika, Zika, Zika. He goes, I died of Zika. And and then the consoling medium, which is the medium who, you know, talks to the other medium in order to talk to the, the spirit. And he goes, Why what happened? He goes, I died of Zika. He goes, I wanted this other woman to die of Zika. He goes, but she didn't die of Zika. I died of Zika. Of course, Zika was the, the disease, right? You know, recently and uh, actually still going on that people can die of uh, from from mosquito bites and she goes oh i wanted her dead 
and I still want her dead. So here's a woman who's not in a good place, but she's not learned anything. She still is thinking about revenge. And what happens, these people who are thinking of revenge and these people who are just so materialistic, right? They, she probably wanted something that other woman had. I don't remember uh, more of the conversations. I was just part of the conversation, just like <laughs> surprised the heck out of me. And, and goes, you would think that they look around and go, oh, I made a mistake. You know, us, us thinking here, us, you know, many people probably listening to this will think, you know, if you did something wrong, you think, oh, my God, I, you know, that was stupid of me. But no, these people are still in their own loop, right? So again, your mind controls a lot of what you see. And when you've done something terrible, that loops around you. If, if that's what you're concentrating on, that loops around your mind. And it's, it must be a horrible thing. Most certainly, the more we can make ourselves loving and honorable people. And, you know, we don't have to be saints. I'm certainly not anywhere near them. I've got so much more to improve on. But if you can at least be a decent person who tries to do well, who doesn't do bad to others, at least not on purpose, so we all do that sometimes, and then believe something is and expect something when you pass over, be humble about it, and know that your material goods are all just temporary, you will find yourself in a, such a better position to get yourself into the, the habit of ascending when you reincarnate, when you incarnate. And this I go through a lot in my book, um, How to Live, Inner Peace Through Spiritism. Because I just wish that we could have, you know, People understand, and, and, you know, you don't have to believe in spiritism. You don't have to read the Spirit's book or, or Chico Xavier's books or my books or any of that. If you can just start listening to your conscience, if you can just start, you know, you know, you know, just what the Bible says, learn to love, right? Learn to love and be a good person. Follow the good rule, the golden rule. That is the most important thing. Do unto others as you would have others done unto you. And that's a phrase that's used by almost every religion and doctrine in the world because it was all sent by different prophets and wonderful people by the same person, Jesus Christ, who's the governor in charge of our planet and our destiny. So how to live will enable you to go through in a step-by-step -step process of of Get yourself ready to divorce yourself more and more from the, the thousand distractions and emotions you have from this life we have here on earth. And to get yourself so you can see your life and your trials and tribulation from the 10,000 foot level. Now, you may want to at first read the Spirit's book, read my my sections of three books uh, about the, the spirit world. Because what I do in my books is I really talk about what the spirit world is all about, right? So I don't try and tell you, you have to do this or you have to do that. I'm just saying, this is what the spirit world is. So if you could read Heaven and Below and in my other two books, Spirits and the Spirit Universe and how we're guided by, by spirits, you will understand why we're on earth what is 
the levels of heaven, what is below heaven, how the process works. What do you do when you're in heaven? What do you do? What happens to you when you're not in heaven? All these things. And there's, there's lots of stories, lots of examples. And this is just for you to understand. This is just information put on the table for then for you to make your own decision of what you would like to do in your life. And I know it's not easy. It's not easy at all. So let's take very, uh, what do we say, cynical spirits. And I've seen this a lot in mediums meetings where I have uh, I have participated and actually and participate too good. I have been a spectator. I am not a medium, and I see this and some of these and I and look, I'm not gonna and I don't want to give the impression that these lower spirits are ignorant or stupid. Some of them are just extremely intelligent. And they have their own, their own uh, view of the world. And even in Alan Kardec's book on this heaven and hell, he says the very cynicism of happy and unhappy spirits is highly instructive, right? And they really, they get cyn cynical because they don't really believe that what they are going to, uh, what they're looking at is fair, right? So. It's very interesting. So now let's talk about Angela. And this is uh, very revealing. This is Angela. This is like she had, they, they titled this A Useless Life. And this is the spirit who presented herself spontaneously to the, to the medium. And they asked, do you repent of your faults? And she says, no. Because <clears throat> why did you come to me? To try to do so. Are you happy? No. Are you suffering? No, what is wanting to you? Peace. So this, she's def definitely on the lower zone. She's wandering the earth. She's not in a hellish, uh, like the other spirit I was talking about, you know, where he's seeing his victims, which is a, uh, a theme you see over and over again, where someone who's been criminals, where other spirits, again, I've done a video, I this is try to be forgiving, right? Because, and, you know, and ask for forgiveness of others for those you have done wrong because these other spirits who, who mistakenly believe they have to punish you and all they do are hurting themselves because they should let God give you and Jesus, the spirit world, give you the trials you need to learn, but they spend their time obsessing you, either in the spirit world or when you reincarnate. So let me go back to her. Because how can you fail to have peace, peace in the spirit life? Regret for the past. Regret for the past is remorse. Then why do you repent? No, but I dread the future. What are you afraid of? The unknown. Will you tell me what you did in your last existence? To do so will perhaps help me to enlighten you. Nothing was the answer. Nothing. What was your social position? Middling. Were you married? Yes, and I had children. Did you fulfill your duties as a wife and a mother? No, my husband wearied me, my children also. How did you employ your time in amusing myself when I was a girl and being tired of everything when I grew up? What occupations had you? None. Who then looked after your housekeeping? The servant. 
Is not uselessness the source of your present regrets and apprehension? And she says, perhaps so. It is not enough to make that admission. Will you atone for the uselessness of your life, help the guilty and the suffering spirits around you? And she goes, in what way? By aiding them to grow better with the help of your counsels and your prayers. I don't know how to pray. We will pray together. That will show you how. Will you try? Why not? No. Why not? Fatigue. So, this is the commentary by the medium's guide. So, the medium's guide, her mentor, then talked to the medium's group. She goes, Angela was one of those creatures devoid of initiative, whose life is as useless to others as to themselves, caring only for pleasure, incapable of finding in the accomplishment of her duties to her family and society, the affectionate satisfactions that alone can impart a charm to life because they belong to all ages. She could only employ her youth in frivolous amusements. Afterwards, when the time for serious duties had come, she found emptiness around her because there was only emptiness in her own heart. How many people have we met like that? They seem to never grow up, do they? Without any serious faults, but also without good qualities, she made her husband miserable, destroyed her children's comfort, and ruined their prospects. Through her carelessness and negligence, she perverted their feelings and their judgment, both by her own bad example and by leaving them to the care of the servants, who she did not even take the trouble to choose with care. Her life was fruitless of good and therefore guilty, for evil comes from the absence of good, Study the master's commandments. Meditate and understand that if you place a barrier that detains the evil path to the side, it will impulse you to retreat and to take the opposite path, conductive to righteousness. Evil is opposed to goodness, and therefore, whoever desires to avoid it should follow the contrary path, without which your life will be null and void. Your achievements shall be obscured. God our Father is not the God of the dead, but rather the God of the living. Then they asked, well, can I, what was the existence of Angela previous to her last one? For the last one must have been the consequence of the preceding one. So this is what her guardian uh, angel said. She had lived in the stupid laziness and uselessness of a convent, idle and selfish. She wished in her last existence to try family life, but her spirit made very little progress. She constantly repelled the inner voice that wanted her, that warned her to her danger. The slope was easy, and she preferred to let herself slip into the gulf rather than make the effort to arrest her, her descendants. Although now she sees the danger of the specificity, she has not yet acquired sufficient strength of purpose to make an earnest attempt to emerge from her slothful indifference. Pray for her, rouse her, force her to open her eyes to the light. It is a duty to do this. Neglect nothing that can help to bring her onto the right road. So I think we have enough examples there. I hope this has been interesting for everyone to see this litany of spirits that don't believe in God or suicide or have been criminals. It's not a good existence. And again, I will tell you, if you'd like to learn more about what these people say after, after death uh, and near-death experiences, I, I recommend... You see my book, you read my book, The Spirit Will Talk to Us, 12 Accounts from Near Death and Other Experiences. The links will be uh, to this book will be below. Uh, please tell your friends, share this video on other Facebook sites. Go to my YouTube channel and Bitsuit channel. Please subscribe to the channels. Share, uh, 
share the uh, the YouTube video to other people. Let them know what happens with with people that aren't very good here on Earth or don't believe anything. It's so sad. Our current culture actually tries to reinforce the fact that if you believe in nothing, you are a superior person, and that only those who are spiritual, eh, there's something wrong with them, there's something lacking to them. I understand that idea. I have been there. I have said the same thing. I have said, oh, this person must need a crutch if they have religion. The spirit world opened my eyes. Boy, was I wrong. I was so wrong. One cannot express my wrongness enough. So I thank God that the spirit world enabled me to understand that there was much more than us being this carbon-based life form that was here just because of random events that no one knew what a clue was going on. It was all wrong. We are here. It was planned. Our life is planned. Our birth is planned. Our death is planned. Our trials are planned. We go back to the spirit world. We keep learning there. Hopefully we learn in a good location. This is all I'm trying to do is get you so you can learn in a good location so you don't have to learn in a bad location. And also, use this. Use this like you're going to college. You've got this great responsibility. You're going to college. You are. You have the ability to improve yourself so much. And in fact, the spirits tell us over and over again, the physical life is really where you mold your personality. You can learn intellectually because you're, you know, if you're in one of the levels of heaven, it's a great location to learn. You don't have to worry about illness or money or any of that type of stuff. You can learn. You can serve. You can do what you want. You can learn really things that you really want to learn. Here on Earth, it's really meant to change our personality, to remove the primitive emotions and to get, and to get the more exalted emotions, love, charity, honesty, get them all where they should be and so you can you can really show yourself that you're the great person that you can be and that you can rise above whatever you've been suffering right and i know it's not easy i've actually even written a book about the problem and the solution the problem is the solution is the fact we go through the suffering to teach us just like you've seen for these other people that they had to learn lessons so please tell your friends i'm going to be here uh every wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you've enjoyed this. God bless everyone. I want to thank everyone for listening to me and have a wonderful rest of, of the night. God bless.